Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. You guys, we are going to bust into the book of Romans, chapter 2. I am excited to, to get into the Word of God. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. Good morning. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. What is up? 8.30 in Connecticut. Love to see it. Oh, man, that coffee hits different. I love it. You guys, I hate to say it, but man, day two, I don't know, actually day three of not being 100%. Your boy is a little under the weather. It has been an absolute struggle to get up. We had a wild weekend. We have been burning the candle at both ends, and um, not only am I sick, but the wife is too. We have been quarantined. We haven't left our home it is all bad. We had to cancel plans yesterday. Uh, we had this cool picnic set up, and uh, it's just, it's been something else. But here I am, and um, ready to uh, share the Word of God with you. So bear with me as I'm here, right? I'm not allowing my feelings or emotions to dictate my actions. I'm going to feel better after doing this, but Lord, whoo, Lord, I am not 100%. It is crazy. Good morning. Have I been tested? Yeah, I found out that I'm 100% God's chosen son, right? I have been tested. I, I am saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, no, no, I have not. We, we, we won't even, we can't even say that word. They will shut you down, right? The word that cannot be mentioned. You can't even say it because uh, then it's like, uh, you know, then Instagram opens their ears real quick and they're like, what are they talking about? What is this live about? You know what I mean? Glory to God. So check it out. Let's uh let's jump into it. I don't know how um, I'm gonna feel, so I'd much rather jump right in. You guys, Romans chapter two, as well as uh, Psalm 112. That is it. Let's go, Kyle says. Let's get it, man. I'm here for it. I love it. Can somebody put that in there? Can somebody, anybody, put that in there? That would be great. Romans chapter two. There's that. And then Psalm chapter 112, both of them. Anybody, somebody, please. Thank you, guys. I will get well. I will get well. There we go. Thank you, Fred. You understood the assignment. Bam, baby. Okay. So in Romans chapter 2, like like how Romans chapter 1, man, yesterday we brought the heat. There was a lot of uh, conflict and confrontation, and I love it because that is what Christ does. That is the gospel. That is the truth of the word. Right. Um, I've looked and looked and looked and looked and searched the scripture and I still haven't been able to find my opinion in it. Right. This is designed to challenge me, challenge the way that I live, the way that I think, the way that I operate my behavior. The word of God is here to change and transform me, all of us. And that's the beauty of it. Right. We all come to Christ in a certain way. Not everybody grows up in church. For me, I've spent more time in the world than I've spent in the word. So for me, you know, getting to where I'm at has take time. I am still very, very, very far away from where I need to be. There are still ideas, opinions, thoughts, actions, and behaviors that God is changing and transforming in my life. Amen. And that's the beauty of it. This is a safe place. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. At the end of the day, we will not allow a secondary issue to divide us. So here's the thing. If you guys disagree with somebody in the chat, I want to encourage you guys, if it's not done with truth and love, just don't say anything. 
right? Um, a sister was on here who disagreed with what we were saying. And, and that's okay because, you know, it hasn't been, she, she hasn't, it hasn't been revealed. She's still growing and maturing in the Lord. But some of the comments and the way that we handled things weren't done with truth or with love. And what that tends to do to individuals is that pushes them further away from the Lord when we need to be drawing them in. So um, what, what, did, uh, what did Thumper's mom and Bambi say? If you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all, right? Don't say nothing at all. If, it do, if it's not done with truth and love, then just keep it to yourself, amen? It's okay to disagree. It's okay to not be on the same page when it comes to secondary issues. And um, that's that's not, so so what we were talking about was crystals, right? I didn't really want to get into it, but we're going to get into it. Um, and, and But we're not going to go into too much detail. And, and the issue was, um, you know, should Christians have them or not, right? Is my sister going to lose her salvation for having them in her house? No, it's a secondary issue. This is not an issue of salvation, right? But many of us don't believe that it's wise. It's a secondary issue. There's no reason for us to jump down her throat or make her feel less than or make her feel small because we are in a place in our relationship where we don't believe that it's wise. Do you feel me? So we need to, she's still a sister in Christ. She still loves Jesus. She's still learning and growing. She's still maturing. She's still spending time in the word. Um, she's still on our team and we're out here still preaching the gospel regardless of whether we agree or understand that what she's doing is wise or not. Make sense? I love you guys. I love you guys. Um, and this, I'm just going to keep doing this right here. I'm so thankful though and grateful that we have this place where we can discuss those things. So anyway, in Romans chapter one, uh, Paul was talking about some of the sins and the evil things that people do. He says that they are filled with every kind of sin, evil, selfishness, and hatred. They are full of jealousy, murder, fighting, lying, and thinking the worst about each other. They gossip and say evil things about each other. They hate God. They are rude and conceited and brag about themselves. They invent ways of doing evil. They do not obey their parents. They are foolish. They do not keep their promises, and they show no kindness or mercy to others. They know God's law says that those who live like this should die, but they themselves not only continue to do these evil things, they applaud others who do them. That's how chapter one ends in chapter two. Paul says, if you think you can judge others, you are wrong, right? And we understand who he is talking to. We understand that he is speaking to the Jews. He says, when you judge them, you are really judging yourself guilty because you do the same things they do. God judges those who do wrong things, and we know that his judging is right. And, and, and something that we shared yesterday, that judgment within the body of Christ, and we'll get the address to this a little bit later, judgment within the body of Christ, there's a righteous judgment. And it's a righteous judgment that pulls others from the fire. So we don't sit in a place of judgment where we're mocking or we're ridiculing or we're wagging finger. But when we do sit in a place of judgment as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're judging from a place of love and truth. And it's typically in order to help somebody from falling or slipping, right? We've all... A lot of us have been that place or maybe we've been the one where you're in church and you can see somebody going down the wrong uh, the wrong path maybe making some choices or decisions that don't line up with scripture and that's a good place for us to judge to save and to encourage and to uh, you know hopefully pull them or correct them from going down the wrong path and making a lot of poor decisions and choices because with those decisions and choices come consequences so we are called to judge within the church. But here, this is almost like, you know, hey, the Jews are sitting in this place of judgment because they have the law. So we'll keep going. Uh, 
It says in verse 4, He has been very kind and patient, waiting for you to change, but you think nothing of his kindness. Right? This is beautiful. This is a beautiful picture of God. Do you think you will be able to escape the judgment of God? He has been very kind and patient, waiting for you to change, but you think nothing of his kindness. I'm so grateful for God's patience. Right? I'm so thankful for God's patience, man. The fact that, uh, you know, <laughs> the fact that he took his time with me, that he didn't give up on me. He didn't turn his back on me. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't write me off. I'm so grateful for his kindness and patience. He waited for me to change. Um, it says, perhaps you do not understand that God is kind to you, so you will change your hearts and lives. But you are stubborn and refuse to change, so you are making your own punishment even greater on the day he shows his anger. Remember, you guys are reading this on your own. I don't want to read it word for word. But in verse 6, it says, God will reward or punish every person for what that person has done. Some people, by always continuing to do good, live for God's glory, for honor, and for life that has no end. Uh, it says, but other people are selfish. They refuse to follow truth and instead follow evil. God will give them his punishment and anger. He will give trouble and suffering to everyone who does evil. Right, this is just, this is truth. This is truth. Addressing sin, addressing evil, addressing heart posture. Uh, moving forward, it says that um, hearing the law does not make people right with God. So just hearing the law. It says it is those who obey the law who will be right with him. In verse 15, it says, They show that in their hearts they know what is right and wrong just as the law commands. And they show this by their conscious consciences. Sometimes their thoughts tell them they did wrong and sometimes their thoughts tell them they did right. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. I apologize, you guys. I'm like sweating. I've got those sweats. It's not even hot. I'm just like, I'm, I'm really, I'm really sick. <laughs> I love it. But we're here. Um, and then he, he's addressing the Jews and the law here. He says, what about you? You call yourself a Jew. You trust in the law of Moses and brag that you were close to God. And now this is he, like, he really, he really addresses them. He lights them up. He says, you know what he wants you to do and what is important because you have learned the law. You think you are a guide for the blind and a light for those who are in darkness. You think you can show foolish people what is right and teach those who know nothing. You have the law. So you think you know everything and have all truth. You teach others. And then he asked the question, so why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you steal. You say that others must not take part in adultery, but you are guilty of that sin. You hate idols, but you steal from temples. You brag about having God's law, but you bring shame to God by breaking his law, just as the scriptures say. Those who are not Jews speak against God's name because of you. And then, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, you guys are going to read Romans chapter 2 on your own, but what, what really stuck out to me is the word obedience, right? Obedience, obeying God, obeying God, and uh, just having that, that act of obedience. We've talked about obedience in the past, and, um, you know, it, the word says that if, if, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love Jesus, you obey Jesus, you follow him. And, um, yeah, <laughs> my brain's not working. <laughs> I'm just thankful that we are here in this place again. Maybe you're new and this is your first time at Coffee and Prayer. But, uh, you know, we read one chapter from the New Testament, one chapter from the Old Testament. And usually I apply some context, some food for thought, some, uh, some ideas, some things to encourage you guys. And uh, today I am just not 100%. But I love you guys. And so first timer, I promise you, uh, 
yeah, watch some older episodes. Get caught up. This is if you're a first timer. Um, you guys are reading, so I'm not reading the scripture to you. You guys are reading it, and usually I give you guys a little bit of context and um, just a little bit of uh, structure, some food for thought, things like that, what God puts on my heart. But in Romans chapter 2, you know, it's just uh, it's just Paul speaking to the Jews and, and sharing with them. Listen, if we, um, we jump over to Psalm chapter 112, there was... It's a very short chapter, and you guys are reading this on your own. The one thing that stuck out to me is in verse 7 and verse 8. It says, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. They're talking about the man who fears God, but this is it. This is what, because we talked about this before. It says, his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8 says, his heart is established. Again, you guys are reading this on your own. But here's um, what I wanted to share is I want to have a heart posture that is fixed. I want a heart posture that is established regardless of the things that are happening around me um, because we can all sit here and come up with uh, a long, long list of the things that are going wrong, right? We all have people who are sick, dying. We have people in our lives who might be going through uh, tough times financially. We've got people who are struggling in toxic relationships. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on of all of the things that are not right, that aren't going well. And despite that, right, we as followers of Christ, we need to fix our heart and understand that life isn't about our circumstances. It's not about the little dash between our born date and our death date right? Life is so much more, right? We have to look at life through the scope of eternity. Our physical realm, right? We understand there's a physical realm and a spiritual realm. This physical realm, the time that we spend here on this earth um, is like a vapor. It's like a drop of, of, of water in the ocean. It's like a grain of sand on a beach. It's so minute. It's, it's small. And, and we put so much of our hope, faith, and focus on this life. And we're moved by every up and down. Every time something bad happens, we're down. Every time something good happens, we're up. And we ride these waves of emotion and feeling based on what's going on in the world and what's going on in our reality. But we need to get to a place where our heart is fixed and it's fixed on Christ, regardless of what's going on. When it's up, we stay fixed. When it's down, we stay fixed. We're not moved by the things of this world. And I'm not saying that it's bad to have feelings or emotions or to get frustrated or to be down. Like that's a part of life. Jesus wept, right? When his, when his best buddy Lazarus died, uh, you know, Jesus went through the emotions, uh, in the garden of Gethsemane when he was heading to the cross, you know, he prayed so hard that he was sweating blood. Like he went through feelings and emotions, but Christ's heart was fixed. He was fixed on doing his father's will. He even asked, you know, if, the, if it be your will, allow this cup to pass from me. And if it's your will, then I'll go. And, and that's what he did. And so we have to find that, like Jesus didn't come here and waste any time, energy, effort, any words. He laid the blueprint of how we should be living our lives, how we should address sin, how we should minister to people, how we should uh, pray and get away and how we should overcome temptation and how we should fight off the enemy. Like everything that he did was a blueprint for us to, to emulate 
right? Um, I always say, and, and this is funny, I've said this the last couple of days because I heard this on Sunday. I usually say, God, I want there to be less of me and more of Jesus, right? But my brother Henry, he said, you know what? I want to take it to the next level. I want there to be none of me and all of Jesus. I want none of me and all of Jesus. When people see me, they see our ministry. When people come in contact, the prayer and the goal is that they see Christ and not me. Amen. That's what I want people to see. That's what I want people to know. I want them to see the light and love of Christ when we come into contact with one another. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just in this place where uh, if we can find the, the, if we can just like find that place of fixing our hearts, right? Because we're so moved and, and, and like true trust and faith. I'm trying to formulate a thought here. I promise. Um, it's a good one. <laughs> True faith and trust in God means that we're we're not moved. Our hearts are fixed, right? If you have people in your family who uh, maybe they don't know Jesus, or maybe somebody is is living, you know, a, a good example is say you're a parent and your kid is just out there wiling out, they're using drugs and partying, right? You're you have to fix your heart, and 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 so many of us are moved because of what other people are doing in our lives, relationships, friendships, uh, because there's these situations, we allow those things to grieve us and to move us and to, to, to really upset us to a point where we're, our eyes aren't on God. Again, so when things are good, they're really good. And when things are bad, they're really bad. But we have to find a place where our hearts are fixed and immovable, where we're not just moved by, uh, you know, whatever's going on in this world. Does that make sense? Establish your heart. Establish your heart. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm thankful that you guys are bearing with me. I just wanted to show up and and, and say, hey, look, we're reading uh, Romans chapter 2 and Psalm 112. You guys are um, reading those things on your own. I think today would be a good time to uh, to answer some questions in the comments. Uh, just I, I can't really formulate a full thought right now. I've wasted a day yesterday. Terrible. I don't like that. Didn't get out of the bed. So um, here. Stand your ground and know he's in control. Yes, yes, yes. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That's good. That's good. Oh, that's a good question. Bad anxiety. Any tips? Um, anxiousness usually is, is coming from lies that the enemy is whispering. Anxiousness comes from a lot of future tripping. Anxiousness comes from being out of alignment with God's plan, purpose, and will. Right? When I'm resting in the peace and the comfort of living the life that God has created for me, anxiousness doesn't live there. And so a lot of the time, battling anxiety comes from being uh, out of alignment with what God's trying to do. And so we establish alignment by standing on his word, by opening the Bible, right? So many of us, when things are wrong, depression, anxiety, fear, worry, concern, uh, all of those things, right? When those things rise up inside of us, we look to the world for the solution, whether it be a pill, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be relationship or some sort of distraction when we need to run to the word of God. And so as cliche as it sounds, you know, I sound like a broken record, man. Um, but, but that's kind of the point 
is you got to get into your word. What does God say about these things that are making you anxious? What does God say about what are these things that are making you fearful? What, are, what does God say about these things that are making you worried? Right? My peace, my comfort, all of it comes from the word of God. And, and, and coffee and prayer is great. We love this. This is awesome. But you have to do your own research. You have to spend time in the word knowing what it says about you. Right? An identity issue of not knowing who you are. But we have to remind ourselves that we have been chosen and set aside. We're a royal priesthood that God formed you in your mother's womb. We have to remind ourselves that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have to remember that God has, he's molded you and formed you and that he loves you and that you're a child and he's your father and that he cares about you and he embraces you and that if you knock, he'll answer. If you draw near, he'll draw near to you. These are all truths that are found in the word of God. And what we do is that when we're so focused on our circumstances, we forget to run there. And so we have to be locked in. We have to be locked into the scripture. Um, and know what it says. And so, like I said, it sounds like a broken record, but that's just it, right? Man, these planes are loud this morning. If um, if, if you're going to a church and you're, you know, the, it's constantly coming up with new ways and there's new, these new things that are being revealed in the scripture, man, I'd be a little concerned, right? I don't know any, you know, on fire Christians who don't spend time in the Bible, who don't spend time in prayer, who don't spend time in God's presence. Um, you know, I, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. The gospel message is simple, right? Sin separates us from God because of what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. The veil was torn. Our sins have been forgiven. He has offered us the free gift of salvation. Because of that, not only are our sins forgiven, but we have direct access to God now. We don't have to wait until eternity. We can come to God. We can stand boldly with the authority and confidence knowing that he hears us. The gospel message is simple. It's good news. And when we start seeing ourselves through the eye of the gospel, when we start seeing ourselves as the righteous of Christ when we start standing on the truths of who we are the the enemy cannot rise up against you see most of us aren't walking and living in the authority that we have there's a scripture that says the power in us is greater than the power in this world that's written on my heart when the world rises up when my circumstances look insurmountable I remind myself oh the power in me Right? The Holy Spirit is greater than the power in this world. The enemy has no authority over me except for the authority that I surrender to him. Right, I, the, the enemy, the, the devil isn't this big bad creature who can, you know, has us underneath his thumb. We have been chosen. We have the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit inside of us. It says, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it says if you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. Right? If you resist him, he will flee. But most of us don't resist. We hear these lies. We hear these mistruths. We hear these things that he tells us. And rather than us resisting or grabbing our shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts, instead of standing on the truth of the word, we listen and go, what's that? I'm alone. Oh, nobody loves me. Oh, God doesn't hear me. Am I even forgiven? Right? These sound familiar. These are lies that the enemy tells you. And because you don't spend time in the word, you start to listen to these things and then they start to become your truth. And so now you start holding on to these things and you start replaying these lies over and over and over and over and over. But all you need to do is snap out of it and realize, hey, the power in me is greater than the power in this world. I remember who I am. How do I know who I am? Because this is what the word of God tells me. This is my truth. 
So anytime the lies come in, I run to truth. And that's just it, especially in the Western Hemisphere, right? In the United States and over here, right? there's people who are dying for their Bibles. There are people who are being persecuted. They're meeting underground churches. Like they're meeting in caves. They're meeting, they're having these secret meetings and they're fearful for their lives that they will be martyred and persecuted, shot, executed, hung, um, you know, beheaded like for the Bible. And we can't even muster up the strength to make it in on a Sunday and then wonder why we're living these lives filled with defeat, right? We take it for granted because there's a Bible in every hotel room, right? Because they're, because, you know, they're, they're so easily accessible. We take it for granted. We don't look to it for what it is. We put a little scripture in our Instagram bio and say that we're a Christian, but we're walking around with our heads bowed down and the enemy's got us underneath his thumb because we don't truly know who we are because we haven't walked in the fullness of who we are because we don't walk in that authority, right? Glory to God. And say, and so, you know, here we go. And that's just it. Sometimes it really feels like God has forsaken me, right? Like that's that's it right there. That's it right there. That is the 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 biggest thing that I see with Christians today is feelings, 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 feelings. This generation is so addicted to feelings. I've met kids who are five, six, seven years old who are talking about how, you know, oh, well, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I also have to take medication. It's like, bro, you're seven years old. What have you really gone through? Like, and that's not to be insensitive or, or not empathetic, right? I don't want to get canceled while I'm sick, but we're so obsessed with feelings, okay? Nobody has been forsaken, but Jesus on the cross, my father, why have thou forsaken me? He experienced the full wrath and eternal and separation from God. In that moment, he received all of the anger and all of the wrath for us, right? You feel that way, but what does the Bible say? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31.6 and 31.8, it says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a truth and that's a promise. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, never God does not lie. That's truth. God will not leave you. That's truth. He will not forsake you. That's truth. These are promises. So even though you feel a certain way, please stop allowing your feelings to dictate your actions and tell you who you are. You feel that way because you don't know the truth. Stop allowing your, you know what? I didn't feel like getting up and coming to coffee and prayer. I didn't feel like getting on here and doing this live. I feel like crap. I, I feel sick. But you know what? Despite my feelings, I know that I'm going to show up and do what I've been called to do because I know I'm going to feel better knowing that I showed up regardless of my feelings, regardless of my emotions. Amen. Feelings. Feel. I feel like this. I feel like God doesn't hear me. What does the Bible say? I feel like God has forsaken me. What does the Bible say? I feel like I'm all alone. What does the Bible say? I feel like uh, God doesn't hear me. What does the Bible say? I, I keep going back like it's not here just for a cool little, uh, for, for, a, for a coaster, for us just to sit on it, right? It's, it's here. This is our truth. This is our weapon of choice. I'm not trying to be insensitive. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be insensitive and I don't need an attaboy or a pat on the back for showing up because I'm going to show up regardless, man, wherever I'm at. I don't care how I feel because I'm not ruled by my feelings or my emotions. I'm trying to set an example, all right? I, I, I'm tired, but still show up, right? 
uh, I'm sick, but still show up. I'm going to do what I do. I'm not going to get anybody sick. Like if I had to go somewhere, I wouldn't, I'm not going to leave and get somebody sick. I'm not irresponsible in that manner. But, um, right. Feelings, 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 feelings. And please, you guys, please don't get lost on things. I said, you know, a seven-year-old who has all these feelings and immediately somebody's like, well, maybe that seven-year-old was, uh, molested or abused. And it's like, I'm not, that's not what, uh, that wasn't the point. You completely missed the point. And I said, I wasn't trying to be insensitive. I wasn't even speaking about a specific situation, but what I'm saying is that this generation is so, uh, you know, enamored and obsessed with their feelings that, um, that, that, that they're ruled by them, that they just allow their feelings and emotions to consistently, um, you know, consistently move them. Stop being moved by your feelings and emotions. No, no, it's the me generation, right? It's the me generation. This generation, like they believe that everything revolves around them. It's selfishness. And you look at the mottos of this world. YOLO, you only live once, right? Follow your heart. Do what makes you happy, right? If it doesn't hurt anybody else, go for it. It's all about me, 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 me. It's centered around me. This world and earth revolves around me. It's all about me, right? That, that is a lie from the pit of hell. This life is not about you. It's about Jesus. That's what our purpose is. And that's where a lot of this, these feelings come from is because if all I can do is focus on me and my situation, I'm missing the whole point. It's easy for me to focus on me and my situation and all the things that I don't have. And I'm constantly comparing me to everybody else because it's about me. I'm not where they're at. I don't have what they have. My relationship doesn't look like that. My body's not like that. It's all about me, 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 and my situation and all the things that happened to me and all of the things that went wrong in my life and why didn't my parents love me and why weren't they here and you just keep this perpetual cycle of self-centeredness but if you can remove yourself from yourself and start focusing on Jesus and say oh my goodness this like I went through these things they sucked it wasn't easy it was it was challenging it was so hard but you know what God carried me through and you know what we can use this for his glory my parents were drug addicts. I could sit here and cry about it all day long. How I was in foster care, how I had to sleep in cars, where uh, I was I was thrown around from family member to family member, house hopped, like that I didn't have Christmases and that I was uh, physically abused. I got beat up by boyfriends of my mom's. Like, you know, I could go on and on and on and, and, and write this big, long, sad story. But you know what? I look at it like this. I went through those things. God carried me through. It wasn't easy. It's not what I chose, but I can talk to people who have gone through those situations now. Oh, you've been to foster care? Let me, let me talk to you. I can relate to you. I've been there. And you know what? Let me help point you to Jesus. Oh, you've been in abusive situations. You've been physically abused. People have hit on you and beat on you and you witnessed your mom get beat. Oh, well, you know what? I can, I can now, your parents are drug addicts. Now I can relate to you and let me point you to someone. So now I can use my situation. It doesn't define me. I'm not a victim. It's not poor me. I'm not sad about it, right? It is what it is. It happened, but now I can use those situations to bring glory and honor to God. So it's not about my feelings or my emotions. It wasn't about me. God uh, allowed some of these things to occur in my life. He was with me. He never left me. He never forsaken me. He never forsook me. Forsake? Forsook? He never left me. He was with me. And in the moment, I understand that it was hard. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of questions. There was a lot of whys. Why me? 
Why did I have to go through those things? And, and, and you know, I was upset. But when I started understanding the truth, when I started standing on this right here, things started to make a lot more sense. All right? Things started to make a lot more sense. I am not my past. I am not a victim. I am not what happened to me. Life does not revolve around me. It's all for his glory. So I'm going to take all of my, my time left on this earth, all of my energy, all of my resources, all of my experiences, and I'm going to use them to make him more known. I'm going to make him more known through all of it. And, and so when I, when, when I can start looking at life outside of the lens of me, when it doesn't revolve around me, when the mission at hand, the assignment is about making him more known, the things that happen around me, they all start to make more sense. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of things trying to pull my attention away. There's a lot of disruption. There's a lot of division. The, all of these things are tactics to try to pull my mind, my eyes off the prize, to take my focus off of the mission at hand. Because if the enemy can get me to focus on me and all of the things that are going on in my life and it's all about me and my feelings and my emotions and all of the things that have happened to me, if he can get me to focus on those things, he renders me useless. I'm no longer effective because my mind isn't on the mission. My eyes aren't on the prize. My, I'm not in alignment with what God's having me do. The reason that I'm here is to make him more known. But if all I can do is focus on the things that are happening in my life because it's all about me, then no, I no longer am am. A, a useful tool in the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that you're useless or that you're less loved, but it's really hard. It says you can't serve two masters, right? You can't serve two masters. And, and, and that master could be money. That master could be this world. That master could be self, right? You can't serve yourself and serve him. It's one or the other. And most of us, even though we don't have golden calves as idols up on these shelves, a lot of us are serving ourselves. You ever heard of the word self-serving, right? When you're self-serving, when all that you're doing is focusing on yourself. And so you're serving your master. Your master is you. And, and your master is your circumstances. Your master is your feelings. You can't serve both your feelings and emotions and serve him. Amen. Glory to God. <clears throat> Glory to God. I'm thankful you guys are being patient with me. Um, patient. <laughs> so somebody asked about anxiety, and this is where we went. Use this as a lesson. This is what having a renewed mind looks like. <laughs> Did we get here from anxiety? Lord have mercy, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. See, my, my heart was like this. Is This isn't about me showing up and giving you guys a cool sermon, man. I just want to show up and be a vessel for the Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, regardless of how I feel, I'm sick, I don't feel good, whatever. Um, but I, I know this, right? The devil doesn't take days off. So many people are just like, oh, well, I need a day off. From reading your Bible? Right? From, from sitting in the presence of God? A Sabbath. So somebody was on me about it like, oh, you don't take a Sabbath? I go, from, 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 from reading the Bible? Why would I need a Sabbath? Like, if anything, I, no, I'm not. The devil don't take days off. There's people on here who need a word. There's people on here who are desperate. There's people on here who, who are at the end of their rope, who need uh, someone to lift them up. There's people on here. This was this might have been the, the, the last the, their, their last time. They logged on to do something. They logged on to say goodbye, and this live might have popped up. That's the kind of stuff that goes on in my mind. I'm going to show up and be a vessel for the Holy Spirit regardless of my feelings. I want to be used. 
It's not about me or my eloquence of speech or how funny I am. You guys know that I'm not that funny, but as funny as I try to be, uh, but I want to be a vessel for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show up consistently regardless of my situation, circumstances, and feelings. And I trust and know that God will meet me in this place and that he will still use this for his glory. Even if I'm not 100%, he will always show up. Amen. Glory to God. I'll do another uh, I'll do another question and see where God takes us. <clears throat> My sister Tamara, brother Henry. Glory to God. Is Sabbath on Sunday? Man, this is a great secondary issue where so many people get mad and divisive. Uh, technically Sabbath is Saturday. It's from sundown Friday night until wait, sundown Friday night until sundown Saturday night. I think that's what it is. It's a Sabbath day. But listen, man, we're, we're no longer, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's not, so Seventh-day Adventists, they're very strict about that and that they honor the Sabbath. And then there's that secondary issue where they're just like, it's one of the commands that you must honor the Sabbath. And so I, I like to yell. So if they're not honoring the Sabbath, then, you know, you're a heathen. It's, it's, it's wild. But some people take a Sabbath on Sunday. Some people take a Sabbath, like uh, a Sabbath is a, a day of rest, essentially. Right. And so um, technically, like the true Sabbath would would be, uh, yeah, that Friday to Saturday, 24 hour period, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Thank you. And then some people are like, well, why is it that Sunday we do church? Right. There's so much misinformation and the twisting of man-made tradition and holiday, all of this stuff that's it can become confusing, man. There we go. Your two-year-old daughter saying hello. Hello. Legalism. Yes. I couldn't disagree. I couldn't agree. I couldn't disagree. Dude, I can't even speak this morning. I couldn't agree more. All right? That's what the Pope made. That's good stuff. All right, let me do one more. I seen one that I wanted to address. That was good. <clears throat> What would you do for your brother's salvation and he's living in sin? Okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to get off here. I'm going to go uh, get some rest. Uh, anytime, I mean, we all have brothers and sisters, friends and family members who um, we might want to see saved. And uh, whether they're living in sin or they're just, um, they're just resistant, right? Because here's the thing. There are like, good people out there, right? We understand that good people don't make heaven their home, period, point blank. But there are people who are out there who don't believe in Jesus, who live good, moral lives according to the law. Uh, you know what I mean? So like there's, like I, I remember one of my friends, uh, his parents were atheists, but they were like good people, man. They went out into the community. They made sure that, uh, you know, they, they fed the homeless. Like they did so much giving back, but they were just like, well, I don't have to be a good person because of God. Like, I, I don't even believe that there's a God. I just want to be a good person. We understand that good people don't make heaven their home. I don't know what my point of that was is because when we think of people who aren't saved, we think of people who are just like, they're doing drugs and partying and having all kinds of wild sex. There's, there's people who aren't saved who don't know Jesus who live good clean lives according to the the standard of man but we understand that even then um, 
you know, you, 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 that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody makes heaven their home except through him. That's gospel truth. And so when we have people in our lives who aren't saved, whether they're blatantly living in sin, like out of control, or they just haven't put their faith in Jesus, I think that it's important that how we live our lives is one of the most important tools that we have. Um, it is an ineffective witness when we are not practicing what we preach. That makes sense. Like it's, it's pretty bad when we're telling people about Jesus and then uh, we go and we start to gossip or we talk poorly about people or we're telling people about Jesus, but then we're not living a life that is changed and transformed. We're not truly that light. And, um, and, and I'll just testify. I mean, there was even a, I mean, I've, I've seen and witnessed instances like that where people are telling about Jesus, but you know, behind closed doors, they're, um, you know, they're cheating on their wives or they're, uh, you know, completely sold out to pornography. Like they're doing these things. They're not living a life that is holy or, or obedient to the word. So, uh, one thing is make sure that as you're witnessing there, you are the light of Christ, that you are living a life that is sold out for the Lord. That's huge. That's huge. And, uh, the other thing is continue to pray for them and continue to uh, minister when you can. Um, sometimes, you know, I've, I've, I've spent time with people who aren't saved. And every time I see them, it's not just like, hey, how's it going? Hey, man, are you ready to get saved? Like, I'm not just blowing it down their, their neck. Sometimes it's just being there and, and allowing them to, to, to see. Sometimes we're the only Bible that people will ever get a chance to open up or to read. And so while you're in these places, um, you don't constantly have to be, you know, sending scripture down their throat. Sometimes it's just being solid and being in their life, praying over them, praying for them, um, you know, looking and waiting for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to move and to speak. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the other thing is, and this is the last thing I'll say about it is also be patient, right? Many times we're planting seeds and we don't know what's going on in their heart. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. God could be working those seeds that you're planting. So for us as followers of Christ, as we go out into this world, we're to be the light of Christ. We're to be supposed to be the, the salt of the earth, right? And so we should be you know, spreading seed as we go throughout the day with the way that we live our lives, smiling, being kind, being gentle, returning, uh, you know, people who are lashing out at you, returning love. Like as we're going out, being Christ-like and we're planting seed. And I believe that God will water it, cultivate it and bring it to fruition. And so like I've shared the story where there was a guy who I was ministering to and I actually, I ministered to him for months and months and months and I finally got him to come to church. And uh, <clears throat> we get him to church and the sermon was like speaking right to him. Like I was just like, I was sitting there going, oh, he's going to get saved. Like, wow, everything that this guy's going through. I've been preaching. I've been ministering to this guy at work for months. And now here it is. Like, here's the time they do an altar call. He goes up there. He's crying. He gets saved. We're praying with him. I'm just like, yes, this is it. Like he got saved. I was so excited. That was on Sunday. Monday at work, I'm like, what's up, dude? And he's out there still doing the same thing that he was before. Um, still talking the same way, doing the same things. And I was just like, well, why didn't there, why wasn't there a change? And then from that point forward, he kind of pushed me away. And, you know, from our mutual group of friends and coworkers, like he started going even crazier, even more wild. And I was so perplexed, like, wow, 
I've been ministering to him. I got him to church. He received the Holy Spirit. He answered the altar call. His life wasn't changed. Fast forward, I want to say, man, maybe three, four, five years later down the road, I'm walking through the store and I hear my name called. I'm just like, who is this? And I look and I'm like, what's up, dude? And it was the guy. And he came up and he gave me a big hug and he was just like, man, I just want to thank you for, uh, you know, getting me to church. He was like, it was a rough go, but I'm saved. I've been in the church. He's in the, he's in the worship team. Like he had been living, you know, he had been living for God for the last couple of years, was remarried, like was on fire for the Lord, but I didn't get a chance to actually witness it and see that. But it just reminds me that God's word doesn't return void. And that even though as we're planting the seeds, we're not in charge of the harvest. The the harvest happens in God's timing. And so we must stay faithful, continue to plant seed, continue to witness, continue to love, continue to water, continue to cultivate, and God will bring it to fruition in his perfect timing, right? And so you might have people who are on the fringe. They, you know, they, you think that they're not listening. They're ignoring you. They're cutting you off. Continue to be who you are. Don't be discouraged. Like you, you, you never know. People can accept Jesus on their deathbed. People can accept Jesus in the, the, the craziest of circumstances. It's not up to us to know, but it is up to us to be faithful with the assignment and the mission, which is planting seed, cultivating it, you know, helping water it, loving people, encouraging people. You never know when that seed's going to fall on ground that is receptive. Right? You never know that when they when they're done talking to you, they might leave and you know something crazy happens and then you're that Christian friend who they can go to in the middle of a you know, you're the you're that one. They're just like, Hey, I need prayer. And you're like, Whoa, you want me to pray for you? Yeah, man, I'm going through a hard time. Be that friend, be that constant friend who's consistent and disciplined and um the other thing, gosh, man, there's so much good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Is I don't know about you, man, but also how we conduct ourselves. If, if every time I talk to a Christian, I'm just like, Hey, what's up, brother? How are you doing? Oh man. You know, I'm really going through a storm right now. Everything's just, uh, you know, I need you to pray for me as Christians. We should be set apart. We, we shouldn't be blending into this world. I'm not saying that it's not okay to ask for prayer, but but most of us, I've been talking about this recently quite a bit, is that every time we stub our toe, we need prayer, right? Every time you go, you scrape your knee, you need a prayer. Every time, you know, somebody looks at you wrong or honks their horn at you, you need prayer. And it's kind of like, you don't need prayer. You need to shift your mindset and you need to fix your heart is what you need. You need somebody to, to, to give you some truth with love and say, hey, you don't need prayer. You need to fix your heart on the word of God. Every single bump and bruise that you have, you don't need prayer. We've become so addicted to asking for prayer. If I'm from the world and all of the Christians that I see are constantly defeated, they're bowed down, they're just struggling, they're barely making it through, why would I want to be a Christian? Aren't Christians supposed to have the victory? Aren't our hearts supposed to be fixed? Shouldn't we be walking different? Shouldn't we be looking different? As Christians, we have victory. Our hearts should be set. I have the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know where I'm going. When you see me, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be happy because regardless of my circumstances, dude, I'm saved. I got Jesus. So I'm going to be excited. But what happens is so many people from the world, they see Christians and all the Christians just like, oh man, I'm just barely making it through. 
I'm struggling, man. Oh, I'm just going through it. It's like, bro, you're literally always going through it. Why, as a Christian, as a non-believer, why would I ever want to be a Christian? You guys seem depressed all the time. I don't want to be one of those. I'm having more fun living in sin. I know people who are living in more victory and authority and boldness and happiness and joy who are living for the world than Christians who should have the victory. But I don't think you guys are ready for that conversation. I think that's a little too much. That's a little too much. But am I wrong? Think about it. When you go to church and you know you know the, the people who are just like, they're, they're always going through something. It's like, bro, where's your victory? Where's your authority? Where's your boldness? Where, 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 where is the hope and the joy of the Lord? I, like, I, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. When you guys have Jesus, like, I don't care what's going on in this world. I've got Christ. I've got eternal life. Thank you, Lord. I've got it all. Right? <clears throat> I just don't got it in me today, you guys. I love you. I got to get up out of here. I'm trying. I'm trying to hang in there. Let's pray. Let's pray. And um, I love you guys. I'm going to come back better 100% tomorrow. I can already feel it. I already know I'm going to be better. Amen. I said, I'm leaving people real quiet. You know, I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying it's uh, it's what I see. And, and it's what um, we need to do is, is we need to start walking in that boldness and that authority and that victory. And again, I'm not trying to shame you or make you feel bad if you're going through things. We all do. We all go through things, but that's not your identity. Again, that goes back to the feelings and emotions. We can do a whole series on this. Anyway, you guys, you're reading Romans chapter 2, Psalm 112. I'll come back with a little bit more fire tomorrow. Uh, but uh, let's pray. I want to thank you guys for the 74 bucks of badges that you guys bought. I appreciate it. I honor you. We had an amazing service on Sunday. <clears throat> we got to do communion because of the badges that you guys buy. So uh, I just appreciate you guys. I love you and I honor you. And um, yeah, just be praying for me that me and my wife, will we get better and uh, I'm able to show back up tomorrow. I'll show up regardless of how I feel, but uh, <clears throat> I would like to be able to think clearly. That'd be awesome. But let's pray. Amen. <sighs> Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today, um, for meeting us in this place. God, help us to take our eyes off of our circumstances and to place them firmly on you. We know that regardless of the storms that we're in, regardless of the circumstances, the tragedy, the chaos that we're surrounded by, that you're king, that you are Lord, that you are good, that you are faithful. God, we give you praise and honor and glory because despite what's going on in our lives, you are worthy of that. We put you, we exalt you to first place in our lives. Now, there's nothing greater than you. And we see, we know, we understand that if we have you, we have all that we need. You are our truth. God, you are our comfort. You are our peace. You are our firm foundation. Your truth is found in the word, God, and we run to it to know you better and to get a better idea of who you say that we are. Lord, help us right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right now, everybody who's watching this video, God, we just ask that you would strengthen us with your strength, that you would give us endurance, Lord, your endurance, that you would just reinforce the boldness and authority that we need to be walking in 
right now, God, divinely, divinely download your truth into our heart. Help us to see ourselves as you see us, as warriors, as victors, as, as men and women of God who are walking different, who are filled with light, who are filled with love, who go out into this world with the armor of God, locked in place, immovable. God, fix our hearts. Help us to establish our hearts on you. We want to know you better. We don't want to be ruled and moved by all of our feelings and our emotions. When those rise up, help us to run to your truth. Your truth establishes our heart. Your truth is a firm foundation. It's a rock on which we can build our lives so that when the storms of life come, we will not be moved. We will not be shook. We thank you, Lord. Right now, I want to lift up the prayer requests of my brothers and sisters. God, anything that they're going through, anything that they're dealing with, God, we ask that your will would be done. That's what we want, Lord. If it's not a part of your will, then we don't want it. We don't want relationships that aren't a part of your will. We don't want job opportunities or career opportunities that aren't a part of your will. We don't want to go through any door that you haven't opened. We want to live a life that's focused on you, making you more known with all of our time, our energy, our effort, our resources, every breath that we have, Lord, we want it to breathe praise, glory, and honor to your name. That is the assignment. That is the mission at hand. God, help us to stay focused on that. When we leave this place, God, help us to not disconnect from you but to seek after you, to seek after your face, to be in your presence continually, not something that we set a time aside, but that we stay focused on you as we walk through the day. Every situation that arises, good and bad, that you are there with us and that we recognize that. And it says you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are there holding our hand every minute of every hour of every day. We are so thankful and grateful for your love and your patience, God, for being so patient with us, for teaching us, growing us up, helping us to mature in your word, allowing your word to shape us, change us, and transform us. As we go from this place, we just, uh, we just ask that you would lead us and guide us and that you would teach us from all of our shortcomings and that you would forgive us for our sins. And we pray this all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I love you guys, and uh, I honor you. I appreciate you guys rocking with me this morning. Um, a little out of character, so if this is your first time, I'm telling you what, man. We will bring the fire tomorrow, but uh, I love you guys. I honor you, and I look forward to seeing you back here regardless of how I'm feeling. <clears throat> I will show up and show out uh, because we are not ruled by our circumstances or situations. Amen? Amen. Man, I love you guys. Have a great day and I'll see you back here in the morning.